Yeah, so all I've had really going on today was I, I just learned uh, that apparently the uh, Texas Chainsaw Origin movie, Leatherface, uh, does not look like it's getting a theatrical release in the U.S. Oh. And I'm sad about that. Maybe I just misunderstood from the beginning, but I think it's going straight to... I think it's getting a very, very limited release, but it's pretty much going straight to DVD. I, I don't even think I realized they were making one like that. Yeah, because uh, I had it on the calendar. Uh, maybe I just found out a couple of weeks ago about it because it was really hush-hush or just wasn't like a whole lot of hoopla made about it. But And then actually <laughs> Sarah and I saw the most recent one the, uh, that has a... What's her name? Al- Alexandra D- Daddario. It was like... Oh, she in that? Yeah. It it was like Texas Chainsaw like years and years later picks up. Um, that was like 2013. That's what we went to. That's That was our six-month dating anniversary date. You guys are so cute. It's adorbs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's going to be out on DVD, so I guess I'll catch it there instead. So I'll have to see. Maybe like Family Video will have that. We can snatch it up and we'll have a little snuggle night watching some slasher. Better, better you than me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when when you usually start talking horror stuff, I just glaze over and just smile and nod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Brian and his Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is the one and only Josh Zorch. We got the OG crew this week. Oh, that's right. Half the time I always forget you're the first one I had on. <laughs> I think it's, it's always strange when I remember it because like, we're, we're always so used to having like a small group here. There's at least like three or four of us that when it's only right. down to two at any point feels uh, feels foreign. Yeah. Thin in the herd. That's all it is. Yeah. I also noticed the last couple episodes. Have you have you foregone worrying about uh you know coming up with like snappy quips to introduce the show with? Oh yeah yeah yeah. I, I, I jettisoned that a while ago. <laughs> I don't like Every, it. So, like if if we talk if we talk I, I know you won't. Uh, if we talk beforehand and we come up with something right off the bat, maybe I'll use something, which I've done on occasion, but I think almost since the 150th, I don't think, I, or the 100th, sorry, 150th, I'm, I'm jumping ahead, we we are nowhere near 150 you're yet. Just, you're just a forward thinker, that's alright, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're already looking at progress. Right, yeah, planning it, planning ahead, that's all. Mm-hmm. Uh, alright, so for this episode, we're going to talk about Blade Runner 2049. Josh, I think you saw this movie opening weekend, right? Didn't you go opening weekend? Uh, I did. Uh, I think it was like a Saturday Saturday afternoon of opening weekend. Had the time slot open and still get the free movies, so <laughs> why not? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was trying to go that opening weekend. I didn't have time, so it took me a little bit longer to get to it. I actually ended up seeing it earlier this week, so two two days ago. So it's still kind of fresh in my mind, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that, that was another reason I, I figured I wanted, if I was going to make it, like, I had that slot open on the opening weekend, so I'm like, I'm going to go now because it's a two-hour 
45 minute commitment with all things considered it's about three hours of your time yeah and like trying to see that like, when you told me you saw it like an evening after work i was surprised because that's harder to like fit into the schedule sometimes and then the, the like the coming weeks and coming movies for uh october and november i knew the longer i wait the less chance i would have to see it so uh yeah i just took advantage of what i had yeah, that was my thinking, too. After I missed that first week, and especially because I think the box office numbers that first week were not very good. So I was like, shit, yeah. I don't know how long this is going to be in theaters, so I really want to make sure I get out and see it. Yeah, I don't know how worried I am about that necessarily. I mean, this this was never going to be a broad appeal movie. I mean, what, you figure 10% of the audience at most are brand new viewers, to the Blade Runner, to, like the, to, after seeing the first one or yeah, this one? Or? like to the Blade Runner idea, like maybe 10, 15% at most of the audience, I'll be generous, are people who are like, oh, maybe this is a brand new movie I've never heard of, or maybe I know there was an older movie, I've never seen it, but that's okay, I'll go see this anyway. I, I mean, like th- this was not going to be a billion dollar earner. It was, it was going to be for sci-fi fans and the audience that was already built in. I feel like they were trying, though. Like, marketing yeah. was, was really trying. Between Ryan Gosling and, and Harrison Ford, even Jared Leto probably a little bit, too. Like, sure. felt like they were pushing this movie for... I was I was still surprised how it didn't do well opening weekend. Touche. Um, Alright, so we're going to try to hopefully keep this short. We'll see how we do, because typically Josh and I episodes, and even our movie review episodes, typically go pretty long. So we'll see if we can we're streamline thorough. this for everybody. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm just going to throw out the spoiler warning now. So if you haven't seen Blade Runner 2049, you can pause us now, come back to us after seeing the movie. We will be discussing spoilers and plot points from here on forward uh, about the movie. So last warning, this is your spoiler warning for Blade Runner. Wee-oo-wee-oo. Spoiler! Wee-oo-wee-oo. Spoiler! You know, something like that. All right, so we are in spoiler territory. So just to sort of sum up. Blade Runner 2049 is directed by Denny... How do you say his last name? Villeneuve? Yeah, we'll go with that because okay. it's not going to matter what I think. <laughs> All right, Denny Villeneuve, who also did, what, Sicario, Arrival? Uh, there's one other one that's on the tip of my tongue. Um, Prisoners. Okay, okay. Um, and if you've listened to our favorites of 20... What year is it? 27? So 2016. Yeah. Uh, Arrival was was up there for me. I can't remember if I put it at number one or if it was number two for me, but it was definitely at the top of my top ten. So I'm quickly becoming a Denny Villeneuve fan. It definitely, um, yeah, and that was one of my surprises. I think it cracked my top five. Yeah, yeah, because we knew. I think we even talked like we knew nothing about Arrival going in. Uh huh. And neither of us like we had not seen it together. It was not like on the recommendation like one of us to the other like hey you should give this a chance it's really cool um and i think out of the group at that time i think we were the only two that had seen it yeah that sounds familiar um, yeah maybe and yeah we were both pretty impressed yeah uh so this one stars ryan gosling brings back harrison ford and stars jared leto so this is a sequel if you're unfamiliar to ridley scott's blade runner which was released in 1982 uh josh have you seen the original blade runner I have. So I watched it once in college and 
don't ask me which of the like 16 versions exist that I saw at the time because I don't I was going to say there's remember. like seven or eight or something um, like that. I can't remember how many. Yeah, I, th- I think there was just like whatever the most recent. What is it called? Like the final cut, I think. I think final cut is the last one. Yeah, um, that was not out. OK, at the time. So it wasn't that one, but it was either the-, the theatrical or the director's cut or the extended whatever the frick I saw. Um, I honestly, I think the big, the big question is, do you remember having voiceover in yours or not? I, at the, at the first time, well, two things at the, the first time I saw it years ago, at least 10 years ago. Um, I don't remember. Okay. Having known that and not remembering much about the movie, um, Sarah and I wanted to see this. So we're like, you know what? We both need to rewatch the first movie. Um, so <laughs> that's actually what we did the first night of our anniversary weekend, <laughs> like a month ago. Uh, we just kind of hold up at home and watch Blade Runner to start off the evening. Um, and, and honestly, I don't even remember if that one had a voiceover. I don't remember what version we watched five weeks ago. <laughs> um, I do remember... I, I remember my impression from college. It was the same as like when I finally saw Apocalypse Now or Citizen Kane. That while I guess I see why like people use this as like a a, a case study in film. Uh-huh. I thought the movie was extremely boring the first time I saw it. It just it, that that just I don't know. Like I said, if if I had seen it in 1982. As a teenager, as a twenty-something, as a thirty-something, maybe I'd view it differently. Like right. I appreciate it for what it is, but it doesn't do anything for me beyond two hours of entertainment. Okay, so that that's where I was going into this. Yeah i I had never seen the original one uh, a couple years ago. I think I put they had the thirtieth anniversary Blu-ray for Blade Runner. Okay, which this is like the collector set that has like all different versions in it. Um. I ended up just putting it on my Christmas list, just like, okay, if I get it, I'll watch it. So, I can't remember who got it for me, whether it's my parents or my aunt or uncle or somebody, but I, I got it for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, I watched, I believe I watched the final cut. Okay. I, I don't remember a voiceover, which I think is the big contest contested thing between, like, the theatrical cut and the and the final cut, is one has a voiceover and one doesn't, and the voiceover sort of, like, just spells everything out for you, which is sort of unnecessary. Um... But yeah, I, I sort of shared the same sentiments as you. I found it kind of boring and I guess like overhyped. Like, yeah, considering you hear so much about Blade Runner and how it's a cult classic and everyone should watch it. And, you know, it's it's one of those must see movies. And I don't know if I just went in with it being overhyped like that. But yeah, I, I walked out being kind of bored and wasn't really sure what people saw in it to give it that kind of love for however many years. You but know, it just it just hit me. You know what it reminds me of is the Wachowskis now the like okay. the Wachowskis like other than the Matrix than the first Matrix a lot of their projects are very visionary and they push limits and they're going for something you can tell yeah but in the end you're just kind of left with and <laughs> that that's well, will... that's how I feel about Blade Runner I will say too like I Coming out, watching, I've only watched the original one once. That was that one time I watched it. Okay. Um, coming after, after, after I got out of Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. First thing I wanted to do was go back and watch the original Blade Runner. Okay. And, and that's saying that it's been at least a couple years since 
you watched Blade Runner the first and only time. Correct. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think there was just something about this world, and I, I don't know if it's like... I mean, the the original Blade Runner, everybody uses that as a template for dystopian future. Like, sci-fi, that's what you want to you wanna do, aesthetic like Blade Runner. And I feel like there's a lot of movies that have tried to do something like that and not been able to get it. Yeah, and as soon yeah. as you, this movie starts, twenty as soon as 2049 starts, I'm like, yep, this is Blade Runner. This feels exactly like where I left off from what I remember yes. from the first one. The aesthetic just fits that world. I, I, I can't... The only thing I remember... I mean, I actually feel like I might end up gushing about this movie, but immediately <laughs> when I walked out of the theater, the thing that stuck with me above all else was the visuals. Like, this movie yes. is visually stunning. Yes, and not in a... Uh... The only word that's coming to mind is superfluous. There, there was a visual design about the first movie that it seemed like somebody was very proud of their storyboard sketches, yeah, and yeah. their production design and their set design. And a grit, all power to them. I can't do that. <laughs> um, and I mean that legitimately. But there was something that was lost in. We're shooting this movie with this story, with these people, with these colors, with this lighting, amongst all this other stuff, but it, it, it didn't mesh as well. Th this one, though, I agree. My, my first and strongest impression after about halfway through the movie, because um, it's, it's two hours and 40 minutes, so you got time to tuck in and, you know, the, imp <laughs> the, the impressions start to settle in after that first hour. Yeah, I agree with you. My my first and strongest impression was that uh, D D Denny, the director, one <laughs> one one hundred percent puts you right back in that world. Yeah, the tone, the movement, the color, the sound, the feeling. Um, one of the things that I I realized, like, yeah, the the movie is two hours and forty minutes. If you had edited down or sped up through direction, some of the actors movements or mannerisms or motions you know there's sometimes it feels like it takes a minute and a half for somebody to like take six steps down a hallway and look around yeah but in the context of of that it 100 percent feels like well that's why it's a blade runner movie it it feels like it's very slowly deliberate in a way that the first movie was. So yeah, he, he just effortlessly captured that. Yeah. I feel like if you, if you watch the first one, you sort of have an idea of what to expect. I feel like the people that haven't seen the first one come into this one, which some of the trailers even, and I was, I was thinking about this before I went into the movie, trying to think about what type of tone this will going to be. Is it going to be a detective noir, like the first blade runner? Sure. Or are they going to try to be like, we can franchise this and let's make it an action movie. Right. Because some of the trailers lead you to believe it could be more action-packed than you think. But I think every time Ryan Gosling fires a gun is in the trailer. Uh, probably. So there's not a lot of action. It is a slow burn. And, I, you know, maybe that's a credit to, to the story writing and the way they crafted the, the mystery of it all. Um, but the visuals and all that stuff, I think, I, I would not be surprised, and I would actually push for this, to be Oscar contention. Oh, definitely. If if not by, um, well, I'm, I'm not sure how how much the Academy, for instance, like parses um, CGI environments from 
other physical worlds, but the production design, the, 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 I almost want to say set design because the physical sets were great, but it, it was, it was the full composition of the physical settings against the stuff that you knew was computer generated with it at times. Right. But, but the full composite of it all together really, really seamlessly, uh, just bled together so perfectly i think I, and this is a name i hadn't really heard until i started actually reading reviews and seeing reviews of people talk about this movie uh-huh. um the cinematographer roger deakins okay uh i think a lot of people are giving him a lot of credit too along with denny uh villano but deakins is a, is the cinematographer on a lot of really really good movies okay um as far as like I guess visually good movies like like um let me just he's got like 70 some listed on IMDb I'm just going to try to like nitpick and and uh cherry pick some of them um uh where are we at here Shawshank Redemption damn Fargo Big Lebowski Oh brother where art thou Oh that was beautiful, beautiful. mind Skyfall I see Yeah No Country for Old Men like these are all Oscar contention movies. Sicario, Hail Caesar, The Reader. Um, what's her name? Uh, didn't Kate Kate Winslet won an Oscar for that? So he's tied to a lot of really, really Oscar worthy films, oh. and I feel like it shows. Like the again, the, I can't get over the visuals in this movie. Yeah, I, I'm going to correct myself. Actually, I think she won for Revolutionary Road, not The Reader, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it's anyway, all gibberish to me. I wouldn't know one one or the other. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, sorry about that. Moving on. No, you're good. Uh yeah, he's he's got quite a resume. Yeah. So between between the two of them, I think they they really nailed what this movie looks like, and I I love every second of it. I would watch this again for 3 hours just to look at everything. Uh yeah, so that's actually an interesting point because Okay, so at, at our movie theater, there's well, like one really big room. It's about 260 seats, and for the type of seats that we have, that's saying something because there's a lot of space that they take up. Um, we have four smaller, like, 45 to 50 seaters, mm. and that is where uh, myself and a friend of mine saw Blade Runner. Uh, we had a very difficult time making out dialogue at several points okay um i don't know if everybody is gonna have the echo problem in jared leto's scenes Mm. that it just sometimes was difficult to hear things anyway um but like for instance when i'm at work and i hear this movie if i'm in the hallway and i hear this movie playing in our big room i can literally hear it and feel it (laughs) like clear as freaking day the sound mix and sound design for this movie is so loud yeah at times that like you can it it, it's very you can hear every note very clearly at certain points even if you're 15 feet outside of the theater (laughs) uh of the of the actual auditorium um that being said when this was then you know scaled down to a much smaller viewing room Mm -hmm. I think I've come to the conclusion that we just like the circumstances of all that coming together did not work well because the sound was reverberating so much at times and the mix 
on the sound and the score and the dialogue together didn't mesh very well. So there was a, so it's better on the bigger screen. It was that what you're saying? It, it was better in a bigger room at the very okay. at the very least. I think you need space for that sound to have somewhere to go. Okay. Um. So especially within the first like half an hour, we had two or three scenes where we literally looked at each other like, did 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 you hear anything they said? <laughs> um. All all that being put out there, I absolutely. If I if I had the time available, absolutely would sit down and give this movie another two hours and forty five minutes of my life again. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's it's one of those movies. I felt like I walked out of it. I again, I said I wanted to watch the original, and then I just kept thinking about this one for a couple of days, and that was sort of like my decision. Like, okay, we need to talk about this on the podcast because if it if if a movie festers with me for that long, a couple of days after I see it, like uh-huh. that that just I feel like that's one that needs to be talked about. Um, what do you think of the story? Cause I actually really liked the mystery of what it did. I was actually, the story I think took some unexpected turns for me. There were definitely some twists in there, but I think the story itself was a little bit more personal than I expected it to be. I think with that sort of like prologue where they, where they lay out the, you know, set the world with the paragraph that you read right in the beginning. Yeah. Talking about the old generation of replicants and then, uh, Jared Leto's character making a new generation of replicants. Right. I expected this to lead to a war between the replicants, like the older generation versus the new generation. Okay. Instead of it being so individualized where it's like Ryan Gosling, not necessarily against Harrison Ford, but like on a singular personal path. Right. And I like that. It wasn't wasn't what I expected. And I I ended up really liking that because I I guess I just came in with a different expectation of what I thought this was. And maybe that's just more the marketing that I thought it was going to be more action packed and like a by the end of it, almost like a war movie between these two sides, but it, it wasn't that at all. Um, Yeah, and I'm very glad it didn't go that way either, because that easily is, I mean, that's really nothing more than Terminator. Oh, that's, that's true. That's Good ar- point. Arti- yeah, yeah. artificial intelligence that wants independence and wants to potentially, you know, eliminate its threat and its creators trying to control it and, and rein it in again. Well, I wasn't then, even thinking, like, humans versus replicants. I'm thinking, like, the Gen 8 replicants, like, the older ones that they're trying to exterminate, uh, well, tr- uh, are tr- trying to, like, fight and fight for their freedom against these other ones that are coming to replace them, essentially. Uh, yeah, but then you still have, like, the, the, the newer replicants are still man-made. So you still have, you know, technically, it's an extension of human still waging the war. It's, like, their side versus okay. All right. versus, Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. versus the AI that they want to control. Um but no, yeah, I thought the story was really solid and for as uh focused as it is, it does keep you engaged the whole yeah. the whole time. Um after I saw it and then like when I would be at work or something and customers would ask if, you know, what's your recommendation? How did you like it, etc. I said, "Well, I'm not going to lie, it feels like almost a 3-hour movie." It does not feel like after after two forty five, you don't come out of there thinking, "Oh, really?" I you know it feels like I've only been in there an hour. It feels like you're in there for a while. I'm not you know I'm not gonna lie about that, but it never once did I lose interest. Yeah, I wanted to keep watching. I wanted the next scene. I wanted the next movement. I wanted the next you know subtle slow thing that's gonna take somebody three and a half minutes to walk across a room and sit in a chair. 
um, you you can't look away. And and I definitely credit uh, I, I I I credit the director um, a lot. And I I will say Ryan Gosling I I think carries this movie insanely well. Oh yeah, I was very surprised. I I definitely give him uh, chops as an actor from previous movies anyway, but. I wouldn't have automatically thought of him for something like this. Because it's very subdued and subtle. Like, there's yes. there's just little things that he does the whole time. Now, how did you... Because his character doesn't really show a lot of emotion. Like, he really keeps on the wraps most of the time, but it's just little yeah. quirks here and there. He does. And how did you feel about being told in the opening scene the reveal that he's a replicant, too? I like I kind of like that. I, I think I did in retrospect. I think initially, I thought, well, why did you tell us that right up front? Wouldn't it have been more fun, like they did with the original Blade Runner, to like save it to the end for the big reveal, or leave us hanging for thirty years to discuss whether he's <laughs> human or replicant? But but in retrospect, I think you needed to know that to see everything else through that lens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's how it worked. Because and especially because they they sort of. Again, if you're if you're if if you do what they sort of I would imagine they want you to do is watch the first one and then watch this one is they already tried that trope in the first one. Sure, they, so you are no, you are unsure if Deckard is a replicant or if he's human, and they still don't answer that question one way or the other in this movie. Uh, I agree. I'm sure there's a million websites with posts already out there continuing to debate it already. Right. So you can you know that, and I like that. It's up to the to the viewer really to decide which side you want to end up on. Yeah. So I was glad that this one was a little more more clear cut. And yes, he's a replicant. Yes, and even even I think when they set that up, like I still wasn't sure if it was leading us down another direction. But yeah, the you know, the more they, I guess, like established that over and over again that he is the replicant and he's taking orders from people and stuff like that, then it's it finally started to sink in for me. But even at the beginning, I was still kind of like, is he or isn't he? Yeah, I I think like you said, he does play a very I don't say emotionless, but kind of, yeah, kind of, kind of being. And the thing is, they could have absolutely written, like, let's keep this ambiguity. Let's save the the reveal for towards the end. And could they have written a very believable, um, you know, grizzled uh, police detective and, you know, sort of foot soldier? And could I have believed it? You know, who who is who is lonesome. And so therefore he has this relationship with this artificial intelligence at his apartment all of that you pretty much could have had the same character the whole movie not knowing already that he was not human right so they absolutely could have gone that way and they chose not to but as you said i'm glad they did because then you got to take the whole journey through his through that lens you didn't yeah, because any... then when he when he when he gets the revelation that he is not Deckard's kid, yes, and finds the other group of other replicants fighting for their cause and stuff, you're fully invested with the replicant cause at that point. Yes, you you don't. And if it was just a human character, or like it was, if it was ambiguous whether or not he is or isn't, I don't think that that part would carry as much weight. No, not at all. And maybe they saw that as a potential obstacle to overcome because with the lore that has surrounded this movie for 35 years, they just eliminated any worry that 
the whole movie, people are going to be preoccupied with continually analyzing every little thing, trying to figure out whether he's one side or the other. Right. They can just watch the story. And you brought up the uh, his little virtual AI. Yeah. The girlfriend thing. Yep. Just even just the use of technology in this movie, I really like. Some of it's really analog, and some of it was really futuristic and digital. Like I really like that integration, and even the girlfriend character I thought was really well done. Yeah, uh, my my friend Mike, who I went to see it with, said he recognizes that actress. I I don't personally know her. Yeah, I don't know what she's from. Has she done a lot of stuff. I'm trying to find her was that that was Joy, right? Yes. Uh, well, she's known for Blade Runner 2049. Uh, she was in, let's see, War Dogs. Actually, she's been in more than I thought. She has been, but I don't recognize hardly most of it. Oh, she looks... Yeah, I don't know. I don't either. Looks like she's also a Spanish actress? Born in Cuba. Cuba. Yeah. So, yeah. So, she has many Spanish credits there and some english versions english uh, english projects as well but um yeah she was not one that i actually recognized from from anything else i think he knew her from war dogs he had seen that okay yeah i just i like the way like her interactions with well i guess really any human is supposed to feel just like kind of off like a virtual hologram trying to interact with a real person like the hand is almost looks like it's floating like right above Ryan's face half the time when he's trying when she's trying to touch him yeah. and it just feels like it's not there yeah. which i don't know little touches like that like i appreciated and and it was so well executed in that i mean artificial intelligence by definition is something that has to constantly learn yeah it is not a it's not a thing that is designed to solely be like this limitation built into it. It's supposed to be able to evolve Mm -hmm. and his interaction with her and the use of her, her speech patterns, her language, her movements to me, it was almost like I was watching the computer program of this woman learn as it was happening. I will say too, like the reveal of, of her, Yep. I thought was really, really well done. Like, he enters his apartment, he hits that panel and turns something on, which you don't really know what. You start to hear a female voice, but you see no one. Yeah. So suddenly I'm starting to, like, run through, like, well, what's going on? Like, is he hearing a recording of, like, a past girlfriend and he's just talking to the recording? Is this all in his head? Because there's no one there. And then she finally comes out of the kitchen where the hologram stick, I guess, can finally pick her up. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay. But that, like, because that, that scene itself, like, where he's just talking to a voice, I feel like drags on. But the more it drags on, I'm like, what the hell's happening? Yeah. But, yeah, I, I really, I, like, again, it seems like filler. Like, for, for a two-hour, 45-minute movie, you feel like you could cut something like that. But even the long, drawn-out scenes like you're talking about, I think all that stuff works. And I really don't know what you could cut out of this movie to make it shorter. Uh, right, because it, it wouldn't, it's one of the rare cases where, like, heavy editing on some of that stuff that might typically, you know, hit the floor with a lot of, like, focus groups or movie studio reviews on the dailies and all that stuff. Yeah. That's, that's what, that's what made this 
version successful because it is the it's the stuff that helped integrate it into the mood of the first movie so well. Yeah. Because it it deliberately on purpose doesn't hurry up. Yeah. It's not trying to get you to the next scene or to the next plot point. It is you know just to progress the scene, to progress the the story to show to wow you with something every 3 minutes. Um it was okay doing that. And mm-hmm. uh I'm not I guess I'm I'm of two minds where like it feels like a lot of movies I've watched, you know, now now that I've seen this and I have the contrast, I didn't realize how many movies don't do that anymore. Yeah. But I think it was I think it only works so well for this because it's very specific. Yeah, not every movie can pull this off. No way. Um, let me ask this to you. I, one of the things I had with the story that, like, I still, again, I enjoyed the personal side, but I think maybe because I wasn't expecting that that type of story and expected something a little bit bigger, I kind of felt like Jared Leto was underutilized. Did you expect to see more of him? Because he's basically just kind of like left untouched by the end of the movie and just goes oh, away. Yeah, yeah entirely. And I expected some sort of big ending for him. Oh, entirely. At minimum, that like I had this. It's the same reaction um, as uh, when we talked about Channing Tatum in uh, oh, in, yeah. in Kingsman. Kingsman. Like on 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 the one hand, you wonder, did you need did you need a name like Jared Leto to fill that role? No. At the same time, I feel like that particular kind of question is only something that people have really started to ask in the last couple years as you know people want to put more crap out on twitter and fill posts on a movie review website you know it's just something to be a discussion starting point i think if you know movies like this were made 20 years ago 30 years ago if you if you had a very notable person just take a small minor role it it wouldn't have been dissected as much. Yeah. Um, I will say, I I barely think you needed that character though. Not just the actor. Yeah. I, I I think I think the stuff that the character does and moves forward and is involved with could be achieved other ways. Because he really only has like two scenes yeah. that I can remember. Yeah, that there's the birthing scene, and then there's the scene with Harrison Ford at the end, and that's it. Yeah, and they both basically take place in the like inverted pyramid, echoey cave place. Right, right. Yeah, and that's about it. Like I said, so that was the thing with like the character itself. I didn't necessarily know why we needed it. Like, if anything, you could cut or rearrange. That would be the only element that I. I could have thought of, but yeah, for as underutilized of a purpose as it seemed that character had, let alone putting that actor in it, yeah, that threw me off. I feel like Leto just likes to take the weird roles. Doesn't matter how big or small, he just wants to play a weird character. And that's fine, you know, I I, I, I was listening to another podcast talk about this, and one person in particular on it really does not like Jared Leto at all. <laughs> like, Like, it seems like viscerally, but I feel that pretty much that only came since Suicide Squad. I, I, like, let's be honest. Did anybody give a crap about Jared Leto before he played the Joker? Yeah. In the way that they do now. I mean, the, the, the man won an Oscar 
two years ago for Best Supporting Actor for an amazing freaking role. He crushed in Dallas Buyers Club. That was incredible. But otherwise, the guy is a, a musician. He's an artist. He's, I mean, I think I said it a couple, um, maybe even a couple years ago, like when his announcement, when the, like the Joker announcement was made for him, he's the closest thing to a current David Bowie that I can think of. Mm, he, okay. he, yeah, yeah. he walks in a bunch of different worlds. He wears a bunch of different hats. He's just a creator. He likes to perform, create, to, to, to do things. So on the one hand, if people just don't have a good impression of him, don't think he's a, a great actor, that's fine. But other than, off the top of their head, other than maybe Blade Runner now and Suicide Squad, how many people can name five other movies strongly that Jared Leto was in besides Fight Club? Yeah, I, can, I can't. Very few can. So, yeah, it just feels like if, if that's the choice they wanted to make and that's the guy that the director wanted in there, then it is what it is and so be it. Yeah. Uh, let's try to quickly just run through the cast real quick. Sure. I know we, we talked a little bit about Gosling. Yep. Gosling did good. Amazing. Um, actually I, I do want to just point out too. I loved his fucking jacket. I want that jacket. <laughs> you think there's going to be, uh, well, I don't even know what to call him. What? K we call him K. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be K or Joe. Be, I guess. Yeah. Or Joe. There's going to be a, a, a lot of K Joe cosplaying. In like the next like something year. about that like big like fluffy collar like it it just looks so <laughs> warm like I I feel like when the winter comes that's that's the kind of jacket I want. Uh, fair enough, I'll keep an eye out for you. <laughs> um, all right, so we talked about Jared Leto a little bit too. Yep. Uh, Harrison Ford. What do we think about Harrison Ford? I was very happy to see that I felt like his heart was in this more than it was in Han Solo and Force Awakens. I'll uh, see. I don't know. I I. Considering the shit that he always seemed to talk about Han Solo for years, sure. When you watch Force Awakens, it it feels like a complete turnaround. Like I I do feel like he's fully invested in playing Han Solo again. I I will agree with that. I feel like this may have been more of a labor of love for him, though. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, because I he he's not in it very long. I was a little bit, I guess uh, I expected him maybe to be in it more, maybe just from the marketing again too. Sure. Because it takes a while before he shows up. And oh, yeah. He, it's but the least, scenes that he's in, I think, are really good. Yeah, I think it's at least an hour to an hour and a half. You're, like, halfway through the movie, I think, before he's around. You think he could get, like, best supporting? I I, I, I wouldn't say it was that compelling. I would say it was groundbreaking in that way. But I think that... What, like, I'm thinking specifically the scene where Rachel comes back. I don't know if, if one specific scene in anything is necessarily always good enough to... I, I, I think it can be uh, revered and okay. like made to be an example of, you know, someone being good at their craft at a particular moment. But mm-hmm. over, overall, I think he was really good, but not necessarily, like, award-worthy. Okay. I gotcha. Uh, who else we got? Uh, who, I don't know. I didn't look at the name, but who is that? The like the right hand chick for the replicant that hunts Gosling. I can't. I don't know her name. Oh yeah. Um, is it Love? Uh, it looks like it might be her, Sylvia Hoax. Yeah, that's her. 
Um, I have no idea who she was, but I, I'll be honest, I, I kind of loved every scene she was in. Like, yeah, she was just a force to be reckoned with the entire movie. Yeah, like for whatever, every, every moment she's on screen, I'm like, wow, you're you're kind of owning the scene to some degree. Um, oh, she's Dutch. That's why I don't know her. She's predominantly a Dutch actress. Okay. Um, yeah, like I mean, even like you put her in that one scene where she, uh, you know, ends up killing Robin Wright. Like, yeah, you put a complete, for the most part, unknown actress up against Robin Wright, and they're both equally commanding the scene that's impressive yeah uh even what about robin wright she didn't have a lot of scenes i didn't think but i think she did really well too oh definitely i dug her i um i don't know if i missed it again i avoid a lot of extra tv spots and i don't go look for ex looking for extra marketing so i didn't know she was in this movie at all oh okay um so when she was there i was like oh that's awesome i wonder how much screen time she's gonna have how big of a role she'll have um, I, yeah, I think her, I think her scenes were used very deliberately and they were very, uh, key and pivotal, pivotal moments. Like they, they were used very specifically, but I really actually kind of dug the authoritarian side of her that she brought out. Like there's not a moment that I, uh, didn't buy like, holy crap, she's really in charge and she's going to jack some stuff up if she needs to yeah uh i don't know if there's any other main we get a little bit of dave batista you do he gets dispatched pretty quickly he does and i'll be honest i this is gonna sound weird but for the little bit he was in he was extremely convincing to me i don't know yeah, I don't, I'll, I, yeah I'll take that i don't know what acting coach he's been working with there were two or three just just like subtle looks the 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 way that he turns his head the way that he looks at ryan gosling the way he hesitates the way his motions are or his manner there was something like there wasn't a lot for him to do but what he had to do was important yeah and for like given his background where he's come from like he's definitely come a long way and i was very impressed with it yeah yeah i'll agree uh, what uh, one person I'll shout out just for a quick moment is uh my buddy Dave Desmolchin. I was gonna. That was the next one I was gonna say. Is your boy Dave Desmolchin's in this movie? He is. And you know what? If had we had time for our uh, extra little segment today, he would have been my connection. Uh, oh, and, Dark Knight. Uh, a few things, yeah. But uh, we'll we'll. we'll oh, I guess Ant Man too. I didn't even think about that. Uh huh. But we'll uh leave the listeners in suspense for a future episode. You'll just have to keep tuning in. Ant Man two. <laughs> exactly <laughs> um but yeah i was happy to see him i feel bad for him because like in in the last two movies i've seen him in this and uh belco experiment i like him a lot and then he's only in it for a short amount of time and then he like unceremoniously gets killed <laughs> quasi quickly and then he's like gone from at all but yeah i mean at the same time you know what this, this dude must be loving this you know actor's <laughs> life that he gets to be exposed to i mean he's one of those guys that's gonna be like one of those background actors sort of when you really look down his resume you're like oh he was in the like possibly like arguably the best the, the best batman and best comic book movie ever made the dark knight he's in the marvel cinematic universe he's in 
Uh, and he's not just like in the movies; like he is sharing screen time with the star of the movie ex- in all of these. Exactly, and uh, he comes from Denny Duvall. Denny's the director's world. He was he. <laughs> I like how you try to say his last name and then just go with the director. <laughs> I don't know why I want to say Denny Duvall because that's that's <laughs> that's where I end up, and because I know that's like the last sound out of my mouth is supposed to be like Naval of some kind. And yeah, it's a <laughs> Den- director Denny. That's that's good. We'll let that slide. <laughs> director Denny, but uh, yeah, Desmolchin was in Prisoners, so he had okay. a little history with him so you know maybe they had a great relationship and he brought him back for for his role um yeah aside from that i don't know i don't necessarily think that anybody else there wasn't like a key character or key uh actor yeah the only other one that i can think of but we already talked about her was the the ai the the hologram right right joy so we touched on her too so yeah i think we covered everybody yeah uh you said maybe the the beginning of the show before we were recording there might have been like some story elements that you wanted to quickly maybe touch on yeah there was one i think that stands out to me that i was hoping maybe somebody you could explain to me okay at some point in the movie after ryan gosling figures out he is not deckard's kid yes he somehow connects the dots that the girl he talked to that implants memories is deckard's kid where does that connection come from did i just miss it like how how does he deduce it yeah, how does he figure out she's the one? Is it just because of the memory that she looks at? That, that's a good question. She realizes um, that's hers, but I don't know how he realizes that's hers. That is a good question. Uh, after After Mike and I saw this, we sat down in the cafe for like a half an hour... And we're talking about all these things. Number one, because like I said, there was a lot of the scenes at the beginning that we couldn't really make out the dialogue. So we were literally trying to piece things together that we might have missed. (laughs) Um, But then we also talked about other things like like the question you just brought up. Um, Crap, I'm trying to think if we talked about that or not. Because I feel like I know the answer to that, but I forget it. Like... It's it's like things like this like I there I there has to be something in there and it might it the movie plays a lot on that subtle stuff and I like that the movie doesn't just spell things out for you so I'm sure there yeah. is something in there that gives you the clue to figure that out but I missed it after a first viewing so it does make me want to go see it again that that is true um the only thing I can I can think of at the moment was that he I think he observed her reaction to her viewing this memory of what he believed to be his. Right. And in his own mind, he's looking to connect dots. Like why, why would somebody, if I'm a replicant and my, uh, memories were given to me that are someone else's actually, and sort of all the things that she gave away during their conversation about like using your own memory sometimes as a basis and, devils in the details and things like that the only thing i can think is he he just kind of deduced that it was her i'm not sure if he necessarily had like a eureka moment like of course it is because she i'm pretty sure she never explicitly says like that's my memory she says like that is definitely someone's memory so meaning it could be anybody's not hers right and she of course probably just to this you know quote random replicant doesn't want to give away like you know oh yeah that's that's mine well but at the same time she never can he's trying to figure out 
at the in that scene, he's trying to figure out um whether or not he is now some never before heard of you know offspring of a possibly a human and a replicant or two replicants right but he was he is still thinking during that scene with her he still thinks that the child is him right and he's trying to get the pieces put together to to figure out in his own head whether it's him or not so her response by saying that's a real memory for him strengthens his belief that she means this is a real memory it's yours you were a child right yeah i got that part um but in terms of how does he figure out with all the things connected i I mean the 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 other like replicant clan you know confirms for him that it was you know a daughter that was born not a son um like part of me i think i just actually want to see that entire scene over again when he visits her the first time because there maybe there's something in what she tells him if you watch that scene knowing she's the daughter right that maybe there's a clue in there that he just remembers later on in the movie yeah i feel like after the scene where he's in like the underground bunkerish place with the replicant clan that they do like there's one or two instances between there and the end of the movie that they do these quick little like three or four scene like flash montages of previous moments in the movie in which either he or I think Harrison Ford are like piecing things together and the con- okay. the context clues are in there and I just can't remember what they are unfortunately right now. Okay, yeah, I'm not remembering those either. See, we're just going to have to go see it again. Yeah, like I said, which if I can find the time, I wouldn't mind. Or if I have to, you know, wait till it hits out on Blu-ray again, I, I would definitely sit down for this again. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a buy when it comes out for me. Yeah. And I, I don't know where it's going to fall on my top ten, but I, th- I definitely think it's going to make it in there. It, really? It actually surprised me. I, wow. I was not expecting as good as it was. Okay. Okay. Which, I mean, who knows? We still haven't seen Star Wars. We still haven't seen Thor. So I don't know what's going to get bumped out because I feel like my top 10 is already getting pretty crowded. So I, I, I'm going to have to really sit down and figure this out. I, I love how you don't even consider the possibility of Justice League. Oh, see, I forgot about that. <laughs> there, I'm not go again, I'm not going in with high hopes on that one. If it surprises me, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Go in low and hope you come out high instead of the other way around. Fair enough. Uh, uh, is there anything else one, on the plot? No, but one more question for the record. Yeah. Do you believe Deckard is a replicant? I never really fell into either camp originally anyway, because I wasn't that invested in, like, the original book. Um, I mean, everything that I've heard of from, like, writer friends or other filmmakers that I've listened to talk about Blade Runner or the source material, etc., everybody has basically concluded that the point of Philip K. Dick's original short story was, you're not supposed to know. Yeah. It's supposed to be left ambiguous. We know everybody hates that, but, you know, <laughs> God Almighty, maybe sometimes people just have something to think on rather than just some, everything having to be defined and that be it for them. Um, I think it's equally as interesting to present the idea that a human and a replicant could procreate as it is two replicants procreating. Yeah. So either side of it that falls it falls on um that either means that they have a fully 
replicant child in 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 this daughter who's what we figure about 20 late 20s about 30 years old um or it's half sort of half human half replicant and i think from a like science fiction biological standard uh or, or perspective rather you could do equally interesting things on both sides of that fence yeah so i don't know if i necessarily think that they've intentionally tried to sway us one way or the other and if they end up ever continuing this cinematically um especially then you know they they have interesting places to go and i don't think it really matters whether he is or not to be honest yeah yeah i mean i think i'd seen i think i'd seen uh ridley scott talk about the original Blade Runner saying that Deckard is a replicant. Meanwhile, the screenwriter for the original Blade Runner says he is not a replicant. Right, and Harrison Ford, I think, comes down on the side of he's not, from what and I remember if I, if I had to pick, that's probably where I'd pick. But like you said, it's open to interpretation. There's no right or wrong answer. But if I interpret it the way I'd like to, I'm going to say he's human. Okay. For the record. Uh, so let's just go with a rating. What kind of rating out of 10 would you give the movie? Um, I, I would give it a seven and a half. Okay. And I, I have to say that, that it kind of exists in a vacuum for me. So like, for instance, not that we are, not that anyone's keeping track independently for us and, you know, commenting anywhere like, well, you gave this particular movie an eight and you're saying to compare to, uh, Blade Runner, look, it's just, that's what I'm afraid of after I start doing enough of these reviews. (laughs) Like there. Is it easy? I'm I'm rating it as a film that I enjoyed and that I think was very masterfully done in the context and with the history that this movie and these this particular story has. I, mm. I, I honestly don't think like I feel like this is apples and oranges to so many other types of movies that have been made in the last 15 years. Yeah. So it exists on its own for me, and so if I'm assessing how I feel about it, it it's it's incomparable to anything else. Okay. Uh, if I'm giving my giving it a number, I'm definitely looking at like nine, somewhere up there. Wow, this I, really hit high for you. Yeah, and again, if I if I walk out of mo- I walk out of a movie and it sticks with me for a couple of days, it's already got a few points in its favor. Yeah. And typically, I like to see movies twice before I really make a ruling. So after one rule, after one viewing, uh, this one's still sitting pretty high for me. We'll see if I get a chance to see it again before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. That maybe I can I can fine tune my rating. But for for right now, yeah, I think it's it's definitely up there for me. I definitely think it's worth seeing. So if you have a chance to see this in the theater, I definitely would recommend it very much. This this is definitely one of those movies, kind of like uh, the Revenant or Gravity. Or even, I mean, certain Marvel movies or Star Wars, it's definitely a theater movie. You're not yeah. you're not necessarily going to have the same viewing experience at home, even with with a big TV. Like I said, that enclosed room, that sound design, that sometimes booming, bordering on deafening, <laughs> but definitely you know encompassing sound that I believe you know they intentionally designed for the movie theater experience for this for this movie that is the place to see it yeah so by the time everyone hears this it's already going to have been out what uh, a little over a week 
two weeks, right? Is it two weeks already? Yeah, because it was the first first weekend of the month. Yeah, so it's already going to have been out for a little over two weeks. So if you haven't already, uh, get your butts to the theater. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, so we're going to close it down. Josh and I talked beforehand. We were trying to aim for a specific time limit. We missed it by like 15 minutes, so we went a little bit over. But I think we kept under control quite well. Yeah, I think for the between the <laughs> two of us, what we normally do, this is really streamlined. So I think we I think we did pretty good. We did. All things considered. Uh oh, and I will uh uncorrect myself from earlier. Kate Winslet did win the Oscar for the reader. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See, you would be the one commenting on these shows after the fact anyway and correcting so. Yeah, correcting myself. Just do it now rather than later. <laughs> Uh, Alright, so if you've enjoyed the show, please stop by iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and review. Be sure to share, subscribe, favorite the show, wherever you decide to listen to us at. As always, you can find us on Facebook. Search for Bry Guy and his Super Friends, or go to facebook.com slash Friends. And you can send us questions, comments, topic suggestions there, or you can email us, BryGuysSuperFriends at gmail.com, or at BGSuperFriends on Twitter. Yeah, I'll, All I'll, of those will work. I'll be on Facebook, I'll be commenting, there will be a discussion, come talk to me. <laughs> Yeah, Josh is our is our staple on Facebook. Every time the podcast is posted, he's he's chiming in with something, which is good. Let's have generate some some comments, some discussion. Yep, I like let's, it. Let's let's have a chat, people. Uh, so on behalf of Josh and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.